Some prefer to set up church near Steeple and Bell. I prefer a rescue shop right near the gates of hell. And so for me, that's what drives me. I love to be with people who feel like they're outcasts and they don't fit in, which is because I I guess I, I feel in some ways that's what I was masquerading as something else. But I deal a lot with people who are trying to reenter themselves into prison, deal with a lot of drug addicts and recovering addicts. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. It means so, so much to me. And maybe you've been thinking about writing a book of your own. And if so, do not wait. The world is hurting and needs your help. It needs your book. I would love to help you on your journey to write your book. So simply email me at Aaron at dailyauthors.com and I'd love to hear about your book idea. Now enjoy the show. All right. Thank you so much, Randy, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. So excited today to talk to you about your book, Diapers to Dorms, Raising Kids You Actually Like, Who Others Like, and Who Like Themselves. Thanks again, Randy, for jumping on the show with me today. Absolutely, man. I'm excited about being here. Awesome. Well, before we get rolling, Randy, and talking about your book, maybe you could just tell us a little bit more about yourself and your work and what you've got going on right now. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I've been a pastor most of my life and uh, just recently moved into more of the author speaking kind of realm and and have a real passion for uh, family. So uh, this book is actually the first of of, uh, several to come, but I've been married 40 years and uh, I've got four kids, nine grandbabies and uh, loving life. And so parenting is just one of those things that I'm passionate about. Very cool. Well, I know I could learn a few things. I, I'm, I'm 13 years in, but <laughs> getting getting there. And I've got four kids myself, so I can relate to the kids. Oh, wow. So All right. uh, let's dive into your book. And sure. really excited to hear um, your story and what it's about. So maybe you can just give us that high-level overview of the book, Diapers to Dorms, and just a little bit more about what inspired you to write it. Yeah, absolutely. When you deal with parenting, this is not your basic, you know, how to potty train your kids and all that. It's more of a strategy book where we deal with what we call a directional parenting blueprint. Uh, so what we do basically is kind of reverse engineer. We help you envision where you would like to, how old are your kids? They're young, one, three, five, and seven. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, seven, he's in school already, right? Or yeah. she, okay. So what we try to do is say, okay, let's take one of those, you know, the three-year-old or five-year-old, what would you like for them to look like? Uh, by the time they begin kindergarten, how would you like them to know, think, feel spiritually, emotionally, uh, all of those areas? And then we reverse engineer. That's the that's the big fly overview of the book. Um, the the title of the book, Diapers or Dorms, came from actually we had a child in the dorms and one in diapers at the same ah, time. So very cool. uh, when we were in our early twenties, by the time I was twenty four, we had three children under the age of four. And, uh, life was great. You know, and we rocked along and, uh, we turned 40 and, uh, my wife said, Hey, um, you know, we ought to, you know, we're getting old. We don't want to have any more kids. We probably ought to do something. And I 
I said, man, one of us is broken because there's just, it's, we just hadn't had any children in 13 years. Yeah. That next month, we ended up pregnant. <laughs> and, uh, so we wow. actually had like a do-over, right? I mean, you only get to go through parenting one shot, and you have to live with the results of your parenting. Uh, and so that's the, the hence the subtitle of the book. I wanted to raise kids that I actually liked being with when they were adults and yeah. uh, that, who liked themselves and who others liked. And so that's kind of the overview, the flyover of the book. Awesome. Wow. Inspiring. Yeah. I, I'm always wondering whether I'm uh, doing things the right way. I'm sure many parents feel that way. And uh, so maybe you could uh, just let us in on some part of the book, maybe something that you feel the listener could take away from today and maybe take action on or something that you really, some part of the book you really enjoyed writing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually enjoyed writing every bit of it, but I understand what you're saying. Uh, yeah. You know, so when we break parenting down, it's easy to break it down into three phases. There's the discipline phase, which is the zero to five. And, and when we say discipline, that's not necessarily spanking. That may be a part of it if that's how you were raised and that's how you want to do it. But it's really about creating self-control in your child's life. And you know, having small ones at home, that's the biggest issue that you yeah. face right now is how do I just get them to behave a little bit, right? I mean, a yeah. little bit would be good. Definitely. Uh, so we just talk about how to rein in self-control in that first area. And that's the biggest issue uh, that you want because you can't do anything. You can't train your child or anything if, that, if, if there's just chaos going on. So in the book, we teach you some kind of clear principles about how to do that. You know, kids crave. Uh, two things. They, they crave control and they crave attention, just like all of us, right? That's what yeah. we want uh, as adults. And so what we try to do is learn how to creatively give those kids creation, I mean, uh, uh, control, you know, in their, and choices in their life. So okay. um, to create self-discipline in their life, let's say we're talking about eating, um, you know, and you can't get them to eat. Uh, because you're trying to say, here, one bite, you know, or are you going to eat all of this? Okay, you're going to eat one green bean. Okay, you're going to at least taste it, <laughs> you know. But but if we could, if we can get them to have choices, hey, would you do you want uh, the green beans or do you want the potatoes? Well, you've given them, you've empowered them, and they they feel they feel like they're in control, ah. and so you can get them to do a little more things in that area. So anyway, the, there's a discipline phase, and then there's the uh, training phase. Now that's going to happen between first grade through sixth grade. And that's really where you want to zone in and start training your kids. And we think that if you've done your homework right and you have some values that you've decided and we help you kind of lay those out, those are best taught in the flow of life. So there's certain areas in a kid's life in that training phase. There's the, the breakfast routine, you know, get them out the door kind of thing. You're probably experiencing that with your seven-year-old. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you oversleep a little bit and, and uh, you know, you're kind of going crazy about things, you, you haven't created a great environment for your child to be able to have a, a good, healthy conversation. But the two places where we help people to key in most is in that evening meal, which I don't know if you guys do that or not. A lot yeah. of families don't these days. Yeah, but that's do. a crucial place. If everybody puts their gadgets away and you begin to learn how to create healthy conversation with your kids, you can teach a lot of values in that area. One of the other areas is in the bedtime routine. Uh, now, a lot of times we're just ready to get the kids in bed so we can go binge on whatever the next Netflix <laughs> thing we're looking at is. But if we would take that time and not rush that, crawl in bed with that kid, there's going to come a time in your life when you're not going to tuck that kid in bed. Yeah. But don't make that today. 
you know, you look back and you just realize, wow, we, we didn't do that. Uh, but in that bedroom routine, um, there's a lot of great teaching going, good books that you can teach, stories of your own life. And we help you in this book, Craft How to Have a Good Healthy Bedtime Routine. That's where we teach our kids values. And in the last phase is the coaching phase. That's in the high school phase. We think when we get to that route, that area, we start panicking because uh, we're afraid that our kids aren't doing exactly like we want. And so we try to give them more rules. And one more rule won't fit your kid. Hmm. Uh, rules minus relationship always equals rebellion. And it's a, it's a wow. kind of a phrase that we teach. So, so we teach you how to do less rules uh, and more relationship in, in that training phase or that coaching phase rather. And anyway, that's kind of the skinny overview of the book. Yeah. Uh, but one of my favorite areas that we teach, that's what you ask, uh, is the personality profile and helping you understand the uniqueness of each of your children uh, uh, because they're not all alike. And, no, and they were not. gifted. <laughs> they, they have some of your genetic in them, some of that DNA, but they also have uh, what we believe is just uniquely by God. They've been designed that way. And, and so what happens is, we want you to find that personality in your kid's life. And we do it based on animals. Uh, we use the disc profile and in the book, we talk about that. So basically it breaks down you have extroverted kids and you have introverted kids and you have kids who are more task oriented and kids who are more people oriented. And so that breaks down in an animal realm. Pretty nice. A lion. When you think of a lion, you think of king of the jungle, right? They take charge. Yeah. And so that's what we call in the DISC profile, if I'm familiar with it, the dominant individual. Some people call those strong-willed children. But that lion is an extrovert, and they think fast. They make quick decisions. Their mantra is, I can do it myself. I don't need a soul. <laughs> and they're task-driven. And uh, so when you begin to see that and peg your child in one of these areas, then you can learn how to relate with them better. There's what we would call an otter. When you go to the, the zoo and you, you watch the otters or down, down where you are in Destin, you know, whatever, you can see those things. Man, they're just carefree. They're playing. Life's a party. You know, their whole mantra is, hey, let's do it together. Let's have some fun. And so that's your extroverted, people-oriented person. And they're usually going to be your salesmen and, and motivators. And so they're, they're influencers. That's who they are. And when you have that, they're the ones who are going to con you into doing all those things you didn't think you were going to do, but they talked you into it. And uh, so it's just a lot of fun when you begin to break these things down. If we go down into the introverts, then you have, uh, you have what, the, what we would call a beaver, right? I mean, when you think of a beaver, you think of a kind of industrial uh, animal. They're always building a dam. You tear it up, they're going to build it again. They're kind of like the accountant, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. But they're the, they're the introvert task-oriented. They're real cautious, they're perfectionist, they're rule keepers, you know, and so when you, when you have one of those, there's a lot of, they're, they're easy to deal with, but they can, they're a little cautious, you kind of have to push them out into the world and make them do some things. And, and then, and then the, the fourth animal that we talk about is the golden retriever. When you think of that, you think a man's best friend. And so they're your introverted child that's people oriented, and they literally are people's best friend. Uh, they're the one that you call on when you're in trouble. You just want somebody to listen to you. That's who you, that's who you have. And so in the book, we deal a lot with those personalities and because the goal is to help them soar in, in that area. What we don't want to do is kind of rein them in, in that area, uh, and make them something that they're not. 
And so that's the key piece. If we can help those kids, if we know their personality and we can kind of help them soar in that area, you're going to raise kids that you really enjoy being with. Love it. Wow. I'm smiling over here the whole time. I just could relate to all those personalities. That Can't you? I <laughs> like with all my kids. The fourth one's a little too young right now, but uh, yeah, and I can see your personality popping out already. But uh, oh, yeah, man, yeah. Very, very cool. I love how you talk through all those and relating it to the animal. Do you, do you actually kind of share that with the kid too, like in a oh, way? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, we do. I've got a little test we do online. And uh, so I've done it with all of my kids. And so when you're aware of when you do two things, when you when you know their personality, and you know, their love language, which is another key issue, because you can't really, you won't raise kids successfully if they don't know that you love them. And that's crucial. And you know, I'm sure you're familiar with love languages and Gary Chapman's book. Yeah. But we take a lot of time to talk about those aspects as well. So when you can combine their personality, and speak their love language, you can influence that kid. Uh, you can do whatever you want to do with them because that's what we all crave to know and to be known. And so, yeah, we've, we've, with all of our kids, we sit down with them and we've gone through the test. We've looked at the animals and, and we, we laugh about it all the time. So it's, <laughs> it's big fun at our house. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to definitely do it with mine. So uh, yeah, very helpful stuff, Randy. I really appreciate you walking me through it. And, um, inspiring our listeners today to do the yeah, same. Perfect. I wanted to ask kind of a closing question about yeah. your book, but if you were to say, just provide one thing that the listener or reader could get away from reading your book, what would you say that would be? Uh, to understand that every child is unique and they're precious and that you should love the child that you have now, not the one you envision them to be. We can spend so much time comparing our child with everybody else's that we feel like our kid never measures up. And they, they feel that. Right. And so if we just understood how precious each child is, you know, I've got four children. I've got nine grandchildren. One of them special needs uh, in a severe way. She, she eats through a feeding tube and she can't walk or talk. But there's this personality uniquely given to her by God. And we need to just celebrate who our kids are. I didn't do that well with my first three. It's funny when you're grandparent, you see more of the kid's heart and you're less trying to, to really shape them and make them behave. And you just want to kind of, you just want to massage that heart and love on them. And that's what the book's about. Just right. helping you learn to love the child you have. I love it. Love that message, Randy. Thank you for sharing it again. You betcha. Well, let's talk a little bit more about you, Randy. I'm always curious. Yeah to know a little bit more about authors and re what's really re inspired them to become one because uh, congrats again on your book. I believe it's Thank you. Uh, you know, a great accomplishment to write a book. And so I wondered if you might speak to the influences in your life and who you feel has, who or what has influenced you the most to be who you are today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a part of a, a well, as far as writing a book, I've written a couple of children's books. I love doing that kind of stuff. But as a speaker, you put a message together and uh, I, as a pastor of church, you know, you spend 20, 30 hours putting a message together, preach yeah. it, and then it goes in the vault somewhere, right? And it's just there. And so the few hundred people or whatever you've got in your audience, that's all that heard it. Whereas if you write a book, it can travel places that a message want. And, uh, you know, so you, you have a hope that your book will just kind of travel from one person. They'll give it, you know, to someone else. So your message lives on. And um, I have a real passion to bring 
hope to people in the area of relationships, uh, family, life, and soul. And so I, I want to help people. I, look, I'm 60 years old. And I'm still passionate about life and feel like awesome. I'm 20, but I want to impact the next generation. And so I wrote a book on parenting because I think it's helpful for people. Along with this book, I'm building some courses and, and other things for online so that parents can have a resource of just to sit down and learn how to do that. We're uh, already working on the next book that's going to deal with marriage because the, I think those two, I think of all the things about life, it always reverts back to family. And we are a product of parenting. Everything is good parenting and bad parenting. Some of the people that you deal with that have a lot of issues had some bad parenting in their life. And we live with that. So if I can help create positive parenting and positive marriages. So we have, uh, and I know you're not asking about anything else coming up, but the book that we're doing next is going to be The Happily Imperfect Marriage. And so we're dealing with how it tends to be that we expect perfection out of our mate. And we find those two or three things that really irritate and that weighs on us. If we could just let those two or three things go and the 20% that we, that irritate us and focus on the 80 that we absolutely love, your marriage will will take off from a three to a four or from a four to a five or wherever you are. And so I'm just passionate about helping people. I'm a motivator by nature. It's just, it's in me. I believe strongly in a sovereign God who, who has good plans for our life. And so I just want to help people get from a two to a four or from a six to an eight, you know, and so everything we do is geared for that. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing that passion with us, Randy. I, I can feel it. And I'm sure you are getting up on the, on the pulpit preaching. You have that, uh, just to get there, right. You'll have had to have that in you to want to help others and it's definitely what I'm all about as well and trying to get uh, authors messages like yourselves out there to as many people as possible. Well, let's talk a little bit about failure. Uh, Randy, if you don't mind, I yeah. really believe that quote unquote failures are what a lot of times we learn the most from. And so I wondered if there was some event or story or what you might've considered a failure in your past uh, that you would want to share with the listeners today and what maybe you learned from it and how you overcame that. Sure. In the area of parenting or any, anything at all in yeah, life. Okay. All right. That's a broad topic because I have yeah, a lot yeah. of failure. If you're ever going to get anywhere, you you better embrace failure because it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's where we're going to be. My dad had a twist on a statement. He would always, you know, most people say you win some and you lose some. And uh, my dad would always say, well, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. And, and that was very helpful for oh, me. So it's not like losing, you know, I, I learned something and, um, I would say as far as, as failure in my, in my early days, however you want to call it, I was somewhat of an arrogant individual and it affected some relationships because I, I'm a combination of a lion and an otter. So I love to have fun, but I'm also very driven. <laughs> and when you pastor a church and you start pushing people and driving people because you think you know best, you can end up creating some difficult situations and relationships. And so it took a little bit of time for me to figure that out. I actually took a kind of had a church that just disintegrated really for being raw and honest. And, and I still today, I, I know that was a core piece of it and it, it marked my life. And so as we started over, began to do some other things, I was determined that it wasn't about me. 
It was about helping others get where they want to go. I thought all my life, if I could get people to love me, then they would learn my, listen to my message. And that's so messed up and so backward. But that's how I lived probably the first 25 years of my life. Just, you know, wanting everybody to like me, then I can affect them. Hmm. It's really less about that and more about you. Humility is what came of that. When you put yourself up on a pedestal and then you fall off, it's a long way down. And uh, the, a biblical understanding of humility is not that I think less of myself. Uh, you know, I'm a smart guy. I've got a brain. I can do some things. But it's not saying, hey, well, Randy's no good. It, it's not thinking about myself at all. It's thinking about you and how can I help you and what can I do with you. And that all came out of that failure. And it literally changed the trajectory of my life. And I'm a much different person. I still got a long way to go, but I'm a much different person than I was early in my life. I used to tell people, man, if you give me five minutes of your, your time, I can tell you three things you should change. You could change and it would change your world forever. You know what I'm thinking? How arrogant is that now? But, <laughs> but that was what just rolled off my tongue in my, in my early twenties and, you know, uh, early thirties and, uh, didn't take long and, and God shut me down on that. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that, Randy. Yeah, that's a that's an incredible story. I think we can all learn from that. I think we we all have a long way to go. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I feel that way anyway. So appreciate you sharing that story. Yes, sir. Uh, well, would you mind sharing with us a favorite quote, Randy? Something that maybe inspires you often, or something that you live by? Wow, uh, man, there's so many of those. I don't know why I think of this one, but I really do love helping the least of these. And uh, C.T. Studd, very few people know him. He was an incredible cricket player in England uh, back in the 1800s. And uh, he had a, a large sum of money. He began to give it all away. And he actually created some, some powerful ministries we know today, like the Salvation Army. He was a heavy contributor wow. to those things. But one of his statements was, it's a little rhyme, but some prefer to set up church near steeple and bell. I prefer a rescue shop right near the gates of hell. And so for me, that's what drives me. I love to be with people who feel like they're outcasts and they don't fit in, which is because I, I guess I, I feel in some ways that's what I, what I was masquerading as something else. But I deal a lot with people who are, trying to reenter themselves into prison, deal with a lot of drug addicts and recovering addicts and, and alcoholics and uh, people who are homeless. My worship leader at our church was homeless about six years ago. And, you know, now he's got his own house and married and life's good for him. Incredible. And I want to set that rescue shot right up near the gates of hell where people really just have a real need and they don't even know. Love it. I love that mission. Thank you for sharing that quote with us today. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the book writing process, if you don't mind. And yeah, sure. just wanted to see if I could inspire some others listening that those that might be considering writing a book and wondered if you could just talk a little bit about fear and doubt, because I believe that's what holds people back a lot of times from not just writing a book, but a lot of things in life. And wonder if you might speak to that at all with regard to maybe even your sermons, but also, you know, in the book writing process, if, if at all you've experienced that along the way in writing books or you know, yeah. teaching, anything like that, and something that maybe helped you push through that fear and doubt. 
Sure. Yeah. You know, mindset is so crucial. And, you know, I know if you, if we have, you may have a lot of friends in multi-level marketing and all that, you know, they put pictures of whatever, you know, they want on the refrigerator and they do all that. I, that's not me. I, I'm probably nothing wrong with that. I just don't do that. I just know and keep in my mind that uh, I'm a child of God and I have a purpose in life because he has granted that to all of us. Ephesians says that we are his workmanship. That means that, and that word workmanship there is the word poema. It's a poem. Literally what he's saying is that I am the expression of of his soul. Just like whatever art or craft that you have when you do it, you realize that you put your heart and soul into that. Just like I did this book, I put my heart and soul into that. Well, God says that I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. And so that one verse literally kind of drives me and propels me forward because there's days I feel like, man, God, I suck at life and I shouldn't be doing anything. And I'm reminded that if I'm still breathing, I have a purpose. And so my mindset is taken up with that. And so writing a book is hard. It's not easy. And so what I would do, I get up a couple hours earlier than everybody else. And I'd write for an hour and I would dog it out. And so I didn't write this book necessarily in sequential order. I just wrote what I felt like writing that day with the goal and, you know, end goal in mind. And I would just keep writing. And the author Academy Elite, which is a, my publisher, uh, it's a, and Carrie Oberbrunner, it's a great ministry and a great opportunity to write books. They have a 52 mini mission course to write a book. So all I did was follow his steps. You know, week one, here's what I'm doing. Week two, here's what I'm doing. And I just kept plodding away till I looked back and realized, wow, I, I have a book. So that's <laughs> awesome. how it happened for me. Uh, awesome. But everybody's got a story. I, you got, I don't know if you've written a book yet, but, but you got a story in you. You know, it doesn't mean you have to write the book, but why not, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I have, and uh, kind of is what kicked off this journey to help others uh, write theirs as well. So had such a great experience with it and um, just knew other people had a story to share as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, uh, I wanted to touch a bit on uh, writer's block and see if you could talk about that at all and maybe help the listeners if they were going through that, what might you give as advice? If at all, you experienced that in your book writing process. Yeah. I do. I did. And I do. And, uh, you know, my, my story, I I get up at three o'clock every morning and, and I'll come sit right here where I'm sitting now and I'll kind of get my head together and, you know, maybe look at a couple of verses of scripture, spend a little time praying and I start writing. And there are days where I wrote literally three sentences in an hour, you know, (laughs) and you think, okay, what's going on here? Sometimes it was distraction of my own life. So I, I, I realized if I had a notebook, and thoughts were coming into my life about things I needed to do. I just wrote those down and that helped clear my mind so that I could write. I also found that if I read, reading spurs and prods thoughts in your own brain, you didn't even know were there. So I read a lot of books uh, when I was writing a book uh, on various things. So you start doing research on personalities. Well, obviously then out of that surfaces a lot of writing. So I'm not wondering, okay, what am I going to write? 
Uh, And I may have listened to a podcast and one word that somebody mentioned. I remember listening to Andy Andrews, who's an author not too far from where you live in Orange Beach is where he lives, uh, wrote a book called The Noticer. But I was listening to a podcast and he, he made one statement. He says, everything is parenting. And I didn't listen to much of the of the podcast after that because it just sent me down a road. And I just started writing, you know, what I, some thoughts. And yeah. so for me, if writer's block means I just need to go let somebody else speak into my life and prompt what's in me to come out. So I, I, that's my little trick, and it seems to work. Awesome. Thank you for that. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I wanted to touch on the best part of writing uh, a book for you and being an author. And I was hoping you might share your thoughts on that today. Yeah. On what now? The best part? The very best part of writing a book for you. You know, when we first started the journey of writing this book, like I I wrote children's books mostly for my grandkids, but we were told to get in front of a camera and uh, give our, I am an author speech. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you say, I'm Randy and I'm an author. And, um, you speak as though you've already written a book. And, and so they had a couple of exercises, but the best part about writing, the, the end of the exercise was pretend you got a letter or met someone who read your book and it changed your life. You know, how would you feel? So when you start thinking that you go, wow, I really want to get this book out. Cause I want, I want to in, uh, infect people in that way. Yeah. And I guess the best part about writing that book is when you hear somebody talk about it you know, and they say, Hey man, I just read your book and I got a question on this. Or we were at a conference just last week, seven, 800 people or whatever with the authors. And I had someone I had never met walk up to me and go, you're the diapers of dorms guy. You know, (laughs) I read your book and, uh, man, I think all of us, that touches a a spot of us, whether you call it pride or whatever value, but it just sparks a flame in you that, that helps you keep going. Awesome. Yep. I've uh, I've felt the same thing, so I know what you're talking about, Randy. Appreciate the, you sharing those words and yes, just being on the show with me today. I wanted to make sure that you didn't, or that I didn't miss anything, didn't miss a question. So if there's anything at all you'd like to share, anything else, or if there was a question you would have asked yourself if you were in my shoes, what would that be? No, man. I, listen, I so much appreciate just the privilege of being on your show and uh, and having an opportunity to share my book. Uh, I've had a lot of friends that have uh, said great stuff about you. And uh, anyway, I'm grateful for the opportunity. So I have nothing. I just appreciate you, man. Thank you. I feel the same, Randy. Thank you so much. Uh, Let's finish it off with where the listeners can connect with you online. And uh, you've already spoken about what you're up to next, but feel free to. Absolutely. Uh, We we have a ministry called Be Refreshed. And uh, it comes from uh, Proverbs 11.24. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And so if you if you go to a, a be refreshed, B-E-R-E-F-R-E-S-H-E-D dot org, uh, you can read all about us till you get tired of reading. I got <laughs> I, we got a blog in there and we've got courses and things like that. So that'd be a great place. Be refreshed dot org. Simple and sweet. Love it. Well, thank yes, you sir. so much again, Randy. Okay. Really appreciate uh, all that you're doing and keep up the great work. I'm going to pick up your book. So uh, I really oh, appreciate good deal. you inspiring me today to be a better father, better parents. And um, thanks again. Hey, man. Thank you. Have a great day. Hey, you too. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. 